Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Fifty years and 13,000 students later, the group's scholars program continues to open doors to education for students from historically underserved communities. This year, join us in celebrating 50 years of generating minds with group scholars, alumni, and friends. Because on October 12th through the 14th during the Indiana University Homecoming Weekend, the group scholars will celebrate alongside, again, students, alumni, and friends of the program Activities like group scholars, storytelling, historical marker tours, a group's happy hour, dinner, and after party. Attendees will also enjoy the festive homecoming football game, victory, parade, and tailgate party. Uh, Group Scholars Program Director Mary Stephenson joins us tonight along with Idalis Shepard and Janai Weeks to share a little bit more about what's going on with the 50th anniversary celebration. Mary, Idalis, and Janai, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So great to have you all here. And um, wow, 50 years, Mary, 50 years celebration. Um, And you thought this would be a typical year for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, And and really, I mean, it's almost a who's who as far as those who've uh, come through the program, matriculated into the group's program, and have uh, exited to just make outstanding marks in society. And, and of course, I can list off maybe 50 people that that I knew that went through groups, and I'm happy to be fortunate and blessed to be married to a former group's uh, uh, individual. I had to throw that shout out to Anne. Um, and one of the, the remarkable things about groups is that it provides an opportunity. It provides an opportunity that, for all intents and purposes, uh, may not have materialized for some people. And while they come here, they learn right away that uh, the greatest challenge may be their management of both well, time, their resources, and and just maybe at times friends. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> and I know you have stories, but uh, we just want to ask you a little bit of history behind the groups. I mean, you fall in line of some very, very remarkable directors, you being, of course, one of them. Give us a little bit of history of groups. Yes, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to share uh, with your listeners about the group's scholars program in its 50th year. I'm so proud to be a part of um, this um, um, department, this program, um, part of DEMA, Diversity, Equity, and Multicultural Affairs. Uh, the first ever director was Roselle Boyd in 1968, and he was brought here in the first class, which Iris Rosa was a part of. Um, there were 43 students, and they landed in the fall. Uh, the one great thing is the next summer in 1969, they started the Summer Bridge Program, which we now call the Summer Experience Program. And there were over 200 students in that program. Today, this past summer, we brought over 400 students, and I'm really excited that the program has grown, um, not only in size, but in diversity, um, in just 
quality of students, just amazing students. I'm very proud of them. I feel like, you know, in Locos Parentis, they're all my kids, and I really love being a part of the program. I've been with the program five years, and the program has uh, changed very slightly. Um, pretty much the same, the summer experience program. We use a recommender um, process. Uh, the one great thing that we've changed is um, that we're now, we've gone from a one-year scholarship program to a four-year scholarship program. Please repeat that. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Um, my first year of the program in 2014, we left everything the same, but in 15 is the very first class that went to a four-year scholarship four program. Four-year scholarship program. Yes, and with the support of the university and the provost and the president, we were able to fully fund all students based on their need, their financial need for four years. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and you do wonderful things both um, to help support them on their academic journey and then also there are opportunities for them to do some unique things as students, especially I think in the spring and in the summer, they, they get to not just stay in Bloomington, but do some things abroad. If you could talk real briefly about that, and then we'll hear from our two other guests that are here. Yes, and I'm excited because, you know, they one is an opportunity to travel abroad. Um, since I've been in the program by us, a alleviating some of that pressure, the financial burden on our students, um, and introducing them to the resources on the campus. They have been able to, we've been able to double the number of students to travel abroad uh, in the past year, and that's exciting. I, I want them to do what I wasn't able to do. I was a first-generation college student from Gary, Indiana, and uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to come here, but I was, I wasn't, I didn't have these resources, and I'm so excited to introduce them to these resources and very proud to see that they're they're utilizing them all right well we have two ladies here who sort of represent the group's program and I'm going to ask them to, to share their thoughts and uh, uh, perhaps the excitement of the 50th year anniversary of course may not be that overwhelming to you but a lot of people that preceded you it means everything I mean it gave them a chance to do a lot of things they probably had dreamt about when they were younger but let's start with Janai well, yes, yes, yes. I love the Group Scholars Program. I had the honor of being um, Group 16 class president. So it gave me a lot of different opportunities within the university and also gave me more of a family. Um, the Group Scholar Program, to me, has definitely been a leverage. And I've definitely gained privilege in being a part of this program and gaining friends and family and also a lot of support. So it's been amazing to be a part of the program. Uh, my uncle was a part of the Group Scholars Program in 1990. My mom was a part of the Group Scholars Program in 1988. So it was just really great for me to um, continue the legacy of being a part of the program and also being a Hoosier at Indiana University. All right, she had to put that plug in there. Yeah. How you did win this past weekend? Yes. Yeah, okay, all right, well, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> We're moving on. Yes, Adelis? Um, I'm a current senior, and so I was able to actually study abroad in what she was talking about. And I actually work for the Group Scholars Office, and so I get kind of an insight of all the background, like, the happenings that's, like, goes into, like, the finances, that goes into getting the 50-year anniversary. I'm actually working on the memory book. And so I actually, I love the Group Scholars Program, and I'm actually really excited for the 50 years celebration because it allows me to be a part of something 
that I wasn't a part of before. And I feel like this is something that I can grow with and maybe who knows, it might come back, be a director or, you know, there's just so many right. opportunities. <laughs> She's coming for your job, man. No, <laughs> Mary's going to go. So. We're taking but, applications. <laughs> <laughs> but I really hope to see the program grow and me and Mary have conversations about it all the time. I, one day I hope that the program like grows onto other campuses of IU and Indian University mm-hmm. and that people like me, myself, being first generation has opportunities because at times sometimes, um, we can't accept all, all of the students and so we want uh, like a place for the students to be able to go and I would love for that like to continue. Dallas, did you, you, where did you study abroad or are you about to study abroad? I studied abroad last semester, my spring semester in the Dominican Republic okay. and it was fully funded. I was paid to study abroad. There you go. So, <laughs> and it was actually through the help of Mary. She um, helped me get recommendation letters. She helped me find funding and resources that honestly I would have thought were not there for me because I have conversations with students all the time that asked me, oh, how did you, like, how were you able to study abroad? Or did you pay for that? Because it's, it's kind of um, a majority thing. A majority is able to study abroad at uni university. It's kind of, you know, the lack of representat- representation of who studies abroad, it's, it's very real. And, and do so. you come from a community back home where people study abroad? Um, I'm the first of my family to go out of the country and mm-hmm. so, and to actually speak another language. And so... There's a lot of barriers I had to kind of overcome through that because you can't have a conversation with your parents about like studying abroad if they've never studied abroad before. There's no expectations. And so Mm -hmm. being a first generation, you just have to leap into it. And so having those resources makes it comfortable to leap in towards it. And so how does the group program, how does the group scholars program help prepare you then for Taking they, on that kind of adventure. They snatched me out of my, <laughs> for the first week out of high school, they snatched me right up and made me break barriers, like break um, being comfortable. I had to understand how it is to have a roommate, how it is to commu- like communicate with others and how it is to build a community because I went to Arsenal Tech High School and there's not much of a community like built building and you're not taught sometimes in our communities like to build like there has to be that outside force. And so I feel like the groups is that outside force that helps you and like treats teaches you how to build a community and so that you're not worried Mm -hmm. because I feel if I didn't have my foundation, I would have been scared if I studied abroad because I would have been scared that, you know, like I'm not able to build a community and it taught me how to. Yeah those gaps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well you, you mentioned um how they they snatched you out your, your senior year mm-hmm. and i think back to something that mary said there are recommenders that mm-hmm. actually recommend students to the program and they complete the application and uh, there's a vetting process of sorts and i did a double take when you said 400 students because uh, there have been years where they're they're they've not been that great a number, mm-hmm. but 400, that, that's set a, a milestone, I guess, in the 50th year. That, that's, that's tremendous. The recommending, recommending process, can you explain who the recommenders are, what that process is uh, made up of, and then how your staff then interacts initially with potential prospective students? Great. Um, Yeah, we are excited to have over 200 recommenders across the state of Indiana because we are Indiana program. 
Um, and we, if, you're, if anyone is interested in being a recommender, we highly encourage high school counselors, community um, leaders, or organizations to become a part. As long as you have access to students uh, that meet our profile, that is always welcome. Um, we have a recommender system which started in the very beginning in 1968. Roselle Boyd uh, was a high school social studies teacher and he used a network that he already had in place across the state. We today, like I said, we have them from the very far north to the very far south. And these recommenders not only recommend students who meet the profile of the Group Scholars Program, a student, um, but they also help them through the entire application process to meet the requirements of the program, and they follow up with them even after they, uh, they land on campus, and they meet with them and they follow up to see how they're doing, which is really great and very helpful. Um, with the program, and we have very strong uh, leadership in those areas. Visitations to prospective families, how does, how does that take place? So if students are, if, if any family is interested, they can contact our office or the Office of Admissions. We work very closely with the Office of Admissions. Um, there are lots of opportunities to take tours through the Office of Admissions and stop by the group's office and see actually what we do and meet our current students. They're always there hanging out, studying. Uh, sometimes we have some free food and <laughs> we have uh, student organizations and other things to keep students very, very, very involved. Uh, at some point, after Roberta asks uh, perhaps a question or two, I want to shift gears to the 50th, but uh, I'll mm -hmm. defer to Roberta. I wanted to know what does the machine look like that <laughs> helps support and uh, wrap their arms around the students that come in? What and this four-year scholarship program. For the four-year four scholarship <laughs> program. <laughs> what does that take? What, do, what kind of human labor does that take? I am so glad you asked that because I definitely don't do it by myself, although I would love to take all the credit. Um, the staff of the Group Scholars Office is amazing. Um, we have the best academic advisors that don't just do academic advising. They're, I consider them program advisors. They talk with them about life um, circumstances and personal issues to academic issues and helping them to develop a, a, some, some type of goals and things to move forward. Um, we also have an in-house tutor. Scott Salick is amazing. Uh, everybody knows him. He, he uh, tutors math. Um, we also have a communication specialist who t sends out all the communications, um, and she's a group salon, Jackie Winters. And we also have uh, Laura McCallister, who is new to our staff, uh, doing all of the financial component. Um, and we have a lot of groups of alums working in the office. Sam Young is our associate director, who is, I'm, I call him Dean Young. He <laughs> handles all of our retention issues. <laughs> and so I'm really grateful to have a staff. We have student workers. We have graduate students. Um, we have a very close um, connection with our CAPS office. Um, and which, that stands for um, counseling and psychological and psych services. Yes, yes. And because of the mental health piece is something that is a stigma in a lot of our communities. And so we try to get students to overcome that stigma and utilize the resources um, and the mental health piece, which is very, very important. Considering many of them have um, come from various backgrounds that may need the support or just even the, the um, transition to college and the cultural difference on the Bloomington campus. Mm -hmm. So it's been very impactful and it's been very helpful to our students' transition. 
And as a result of all of these efforts, the staff that's amazing, our retention rate for three years in a row have been above the university's average. Will you say that one more time? Say say that one more time. I am so proud to say I don't want to lose really any student, but for three years in a row, we've been above ninety percent retention first year. Excellent. Yes. And so I, I always tell them when they come in, we want 100%. But, That's of right. course, if we fall short, you know, it says, you know, aim for the stars. Um, Jedi, if you could wrap up. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you Yay. are. Yes, you are. <laughs> if you could sum up what a group scholar is in just a few words, what what's a group scholar? Oh, boy. <laughs> um <laughs> You don't have to do a haiku or anything like that. Just what are some of the adjectives you, we should all think of when we think of Phenomenal. a group scholar? Yes, yeah. a group scholar is Grip. is overachieving, mm-hmm. overachieving and um, hardworking, mm-hmm. and is someone who always strives to do their best in all areas of life. So yeah. yes, wonderful. And what about you, Idella? <laughs> um. I think I'll have to follow along with Mary Grit because coming into this environment and being at a PUWI, you don't feel like you have opportunities in the classroom. And so you have to have grit in order to kind of, you know, get past because you have to work harder than the person sitting next to you most of the times. Mm-hmm. And I think of grit as being somewhat um, um, Abrasive, so I mean, mm-hmm. so assertiveness comes in. You have to raise that hand and and take that leap of faith and and throw yourself into uh, a conversation, perhaps with a professor Definitely. and perhaps an AI, and uh, defend your positions. Definitely, I think so. I always say grit is uh, someone, and I talk with the parents and the students as when they arrive, when they before they come on campus, and I say it's that person when you fall down, you can you know how to get back up. Because mm-hmm. I've been that student, you know, mm-hmm. when you get that first really tough grade or when you're not embraced quite as much as you'd like to be, how do you handle those situations and how do you persevere? And I try to inspire them as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And I've had the extreme pleasure of watching how the group scholars, participants, have a tremendous amount of confidence and the the services that are provided provided and tailored toward that particular underserved population is just a springboard for the student to kind of find mm-hmm. their sea legs when they mm-hmm. come to like Idala said a predominant a historically white institution but once the student gets with your staff, Mary, and they're like, oh, (laughs) I can do this, and I can find my pathway into the university. How the students then, they do, they blossom and bloom in other parts and other services and other programming and other student organizations and all of the other things that Indiana University has to offer. Mm -hmm. The students aren't just sort of like in the group's family, they find comfort in the group's family to then go out and be part of the larger Indiana University family. Yes. And that's a huge thing. That's yes. a really beautiful thing, Mary. Yeah, we're really privileged to have had a student body president once that was a group's uh, it was a group student. Um, our group students are in student government, IUSA, yeah. union board, um, they're leaders, um, yeah. and I love it. And they're also participants. They're great followers, and they a great leader is a great follower. That's so, right. yes, we That's encourage right. them. 
Well, I have a transition question. Uh, you mentioned initially there were 43 students that uh, sort of launched this great initiative. And they coined uh, a name for themselves as Groups 43. And every succeeding cohort has sort of adopted the class year mm -hmm. coming in to, to say that I'm class of 69, class of 81, class of 90, whatever, and on and on. Now we talk about this celebration, 50 years. <laughs> and there are a lot of class members that are yes. looking forward to coming back that have uh, always stayed in touch in some way. And on most any homecoming weekend, uh, groups reunions, miniature group reunions take place and to witness that, to hear the screams and joy and the camaraderie that goes on is a wonderful thing. Tell us now, homecoming weekend comes up October 12th through the 14th. I want to devote some time, ample time for you to mm -hmm. talk about that weekend and then tell people uh, who may be still like, well, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to register, but I'm going to wait. No, don't wait. But uh, <laughs> don't tell wait. us a little bit about the 12th through the 14th of this month. Uh, yes. Wow. Next week. Yes. Tell us. <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out to your community leaders who are groups alums, Jim and Doris Sims. Thank you. And uh, Donald Griffith, Griffith Sr. Um, you guys are amazing. Lindsay Smith in your own community that are amazing. And I hope to see you all during homecoming. Uh, we, have, we will have on-site registration a la carte per event. Uh, prices if you did not want to buy the the entire weekend package and so I hope that you join us uh, it starts off with um, roundtable discussions on Friday at noon at the IMU uh, where alums will be talking to current students about their successes really excited and how what, what their plight was as a group scholar also, um, immediately, well, shortly following, uh, we'll have the parade, and we hope you all join us. Uh, we'll have lots of students involved in that parade as well, along with alums side by side. Um, and then that evening, we have a fish fry that's amazing at the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center and a stroll fest at the IMU Alumni Hall. What's, um, what's, what's, a, what's a stroll fest, um, Janai Adelis? Debolt stroll in the st stroll fest. No, I'm not no. in the story. <laughs> does, does, does Roberta, <laughs> have you seen Roberta strolling? In the no, they have not. Mary, Mary has probably <laughs> strolled. Yeah. Yeah, so yes, I see has. her in the office sometimes. Yeah, stroll. practicing. <laughs> oh, she's she's practicing. Okay. Yeah. What Delta is Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated? <laughs> okay, so so you threw out you threw out you threw out the the hey. Okay, now go ahead. And what is a stroll fest? Because some people listening may not know what that is. Yes, um, it's where. Um, National Panhellenic Council students uh, and the Nine Greek uh, Council were able to stroll um, with their sororities and fraternities. It's an amazing opportunity uh, to see the rich history of MPHC, and, and I hope that you, you know, alums get out to see it. It's a great opportunity, and the students will have a great time as well. Now, now do alums take part in that? They can come and watch, well, but I, watch, every right? now and then I see them <laughs> jump at the end of the line. Okay. Yes, definitely. So, uh, so that's uh, is that Friday night? That is Friday night. And okay, so then Saturday. Saturday homecoming is an early game. It's at noon, so our actual tailgate is in the block party section across from the football stadium. Uh, it starts at 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. and uh, it goes till noon. We have breakfast served. So please join us. And then we also have tickets available, football tickets at a very discounted price. So please, please come to the tailgate fields and join us. Um, that game starts at noon, 
and we play Iowa. It's going to be a great game. And we will win. Yes, we will win. And after that, um, that evening, we give everyone a time to take a nap or go to more more uh, events on campus. Um, but that evening, we have a party that starts, so we call it uh, This Is How We Do It Party. And we have three parties going simultaneously, old school, new school, and a Latin room. So please come join us. Um, it'll be, you can interchange those rooms however you like at the Union. <laughs> well, see, this is where we have the music sort of blend in. This is, okay. <laughs> so, and then now you have a Sunday component to this? Or? Yes, okay. and we culminate the entire weekend with a brunch on Sunday in the solarium at the IMU. Um, it will be an opportunity for us to recognize our first leaders and provide awards to great alums um, of the program. So I hope that, you know, the community is able to join us for that as well. Um, before I ask, I think, uh, Dallas, you were working on the memory book, right? Yes. So before you comment, we talked about partnerships um, uh, with alumni and students and others, but uh, university administration and university staff who are not, say, in the community, how have they rolled up their sleeves to, to help the group's program, group scholars program? Not in the community? Yeah, I would say, uh, say in certain disciplines on campus, uh, certain fields of study, how have they sort of helped assist these uh, participants? We have amazing partners. Like I said, CAPS is a huge one. Um, this past, in 2015, I started the summer component, um, changed it a little bit to where the students were had an opportunity to take general education courses. Mm -hmm. And I have great partnerships with faculty who have agreed to teach classes um, for our students um, in all the academic areas. And they have been amazing because they don't end the mentorship during the summer. They continue to mentor them throughout the school year. And Pam Jackson, Razul Mawat, uh, Kate Reck from Chemistry, um, Kim Arnold. I mean, the list goes on and on. Triple AD, which is African American, African Diaspora Studies, a previous director, Carolyn Calloway Thomas. All of these people have done an amazing job of supporting our students. Valerie Grimm. I mean, just it goes on and on. And I have I've been had the great privilege of working with them and supporting our students and I really really appreciate it. Um, Mary just wanted to ask you really quickly there is a 50th anniversary book yes. that's part of this um, packaging of the celebration. Yes we'll be selling on site um, the books won't be available till May with the history of groups um, was written by Gordon Hershey, uh, who was with the program and has re has retired. Um, but from the very beginning until my tenure, and so I'm really excited to share. We'll we'll sell it on Amazon if anyone's interested. We're also selling T-shirts, and we're also going to have, along with the bicentennial celebration, a historical marker placed at Maxwell Hall um, to commemorate um, the Group Scholars Program. And I'm really appreciative of bicentennial support. Excellent. Now, if you could share with us about the memory book that you're working on there. The memory book is like encompassing of all the um, students, well, scholars throughout the years. And I can't, I don't want to really give too many details before people see it, but it's pretty much just a preview of anybody in who has been a part of the group scholars program from the group 43 all the way to present groups 2018. And so it just pretty much gives a preview of all the students in history and then a little preview of what life was like in the 68 and then what, what life is like in 2018 and so comparison okay 
All right, and a lot of pictures will be taken, will be group shot. I mean, well, uh, now, and, and we have had instances where people would call over, say, to the Alumni Association, and I, I want information on the groups program. Well, which groups are you talking about? Well, and this, whatever, but mm-hmm. the name is, is a very unique name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the Clio programs initially started out years and years ago, but they had settled upon the name groups. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that has a rich history, but will there be, uh, say, the different classes an opportunity to take reunion pictures throughout the weekend? Do you have a photographer lined up for that? And Yes. Or, and then do you have now yes. information if someone wants to register? Yes. Those who are going to, after this interview, they're going to run to their phone, get their <laughs> wallets and pur- purses and, and, and register. What do you want to tell them? So our group's website is Groups Scholars dot indiana dot edu so that's g-r-o-u-p-s-s-c-h-o-l-a-r-s at indiana i mean i'm sorry not at dot indiana dot edu and we're 10 days 17 hours and 29 minutes away from graduation yeah, sounds like a lady I mean, who's uh, planning a, 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 a huge <laughs> anniversary celebration yes yes well that, that's awesome now we have about two minutes left and I want to go around final statements, final comments, observations, appeals, whatever. I'll start with Mary. Wow. Thank you so much for having us today. I'm I'm always excited to bring scholars because I think they bring another dimension. Um, I am really excited about 50th anniversary. I am excited about the first, the 50th graduating class this year is going to have the highest graduation rate anticipated in the history of the program over 70 percent for a year which is amazing congratulations great staff that supported that initiative and support from not only from james wimbush but johnny ado phillips and martin mccrory the most previous um so i'm really appreciative of all the support that we've received and thank you all for having us so I'm going to leave it to the students now. <laughs> well, I just want to thank the Group Scholars Program for being so amazing in my college life. You know, it's hard out here. And without my family with groups, my home team, I actually wouldn't even be at this university. So thank you, groups. All right. I want to thank you for having us. And also, I want to thank the group's office for giving me a voice because I wouldn't be here without the group's office speaking with you guys. So thank you. Well, thank all you right. all. Well, um, oh, we have about 30 seconds. Roberta, I'm going to let you squeeze in one more comment. Oh, I, I kn- you are never short for comments. Listen, it's <laughs> not a comment. It's just uh, reiterating what Mary has already said. To go ahead and get your package taken care of today for the Group Scholars Program, you can go to groupsscholars.indiana.edu. That's G-R-O-U-P-S, scholars, S-C-O-L-A-R-S, all one word, indiana.edu and from there you'll click over and get that package taken care of today all right well our thanks uh, to group scholars uh, program director mary stephenson uh, and two shining scholars who are here janai weeks and idellis shepherd for joining us to discuss the upcoming 50th anniversary their reflections on the program their observations of the program why the programs inspired them and just how grateful they are to be here in the studio with us uh, and then there's this big celebration during IU Homecoming weekend where we will not only beat the Iowa Hawkeyes, but uh, <laughs> they're going to have a wonderful time. It will take place October 12th through the 14th. And again, to learn more, visit www.groupsscholars.indiana.edu. 
Our thanks to Group Scholars Program Director Mary Stephenson and Janai and Idalis. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure that we share everything and anything impacting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton.wfhb.org. God, I 
hour The morning I wake up Just for the breath of life I thank my maker My mom say I come from hustlers and shakers My mind building on skyscrapers and acres He said take us back to where we belong I try to write a song as sweet as the Psalms Though I'm the type to bear arms And wear my heart on my sleeve Even when I fell in God I believe Read the days and weave through the maze And the seas are so amazing Feed them and raise them Seasons are aging Earthquakes, wars and rumors I want us to get by but we more than consumers We more than shooters, more than looters Created in this image so God lived through us And even in this generation living through computers Only love, love, love can reboot us Come on, oh, wake up everybody No more sleeping in bed just heard Wake Up, a collaborative studio album by R&B recording artist John Legend and hip-hop band The Roots. It was produced by Legend with band members Achmir Questlove Thompson and James Poyser and features C.L. Smooth, Malik Youssef, Common, and Melania Fionia. The album de- uh, debuted at number eight on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. It will go on to win the 2010 Grammy Award for the best R&B album. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you are invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to uh, facebook.com and search for WFHB. Or you can always visit the WFHB news website at wfhb.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Roberta Radovich. At the top of the hour, we mentioned we invited Pastor Eddie and Reverend Natasha Howard, the recently installed husband and wife ministerial team at Bethel AME Church in Bloomington, to acquaint themselves with our listeners and to share their vision for Bethel AME Church. Welcome, Pastor and Reverend Howard. Well, thank you. Thank you. So glad to have you both join us. And uh, again, I'd like to say welcome to the Bloomington community. Uh, where do you originally hail from? Indianapolis, Indiana. All right. So, so not too far away. Do you have uh, IU roots here? Um, I attended IU um, in 1991 and 1992. I was a student at IU in Bloomington, and okay. then I transferred to IUPUI in Indianapolis. All right. Is that where you met the, the love of your life? No, I met him in Indianapolis. <laughs> you should see the, the love in their eyes as they as they okay, all right, Roberta's sitting right next to me. Roberta is, is a, is a parishioner uh, at Bethel, so I, I had to be on my we P's and Q's. We already started like prying into their personal business. Yes. I thought it would be fun if we read these beautiful bios, okay. and you could read the bio for uh, Pastor Eddie Howard, all right. and I could read the bio for uh, Reverend Natasha Howard. Okay. I wish we could get some background music as I read I this, know. but I I'll go ahead. Uh, Pastor Howard was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, to the late Gus and Lois Irene Howard on July 5th. Of, you want me to say the year? Is that all right? 
What's that? <laughs> I can say the year that you were born. Yes, sir. Okay, 1965. <laughs> he is the youngest of the youngest of seven siblings, and uh, he grew up at Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church under the new leadership of Reverend Jonathan Bailey after the death of Pastor Lawrence Moses. At Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church, uh, he sang in the choir and attended Sunday school on a regular basis. Immediately after high school, he joined the United States Marine Corps. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank and you. later the Army National Guard, where uh, he's, oh, he's, he's still on active duty. Yes, I've retired. Okay, he's retired <laughs> for the National Guard. Okay. Uh, as a recruiter and retired after 25 years of service. Uh, on, on April 28, 1996, he accepted his calling into the ministry to preach the gospel at Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. On June 2nd, 2000, he was ordained at Grace Memorial Missionary Baptist Church under the leadership of Pastor Joseph Tunstall. Under the leadership of Pastor Tunstall, uh, he became an associate minister, sung in the choir, so we may get a little sampling here tonight, <laughs> taught Bible study, taught Sunday school, new members class, and oversaw the church in Pastor Tunstall's absence. In 2008, he returned to school at Indiana Wesleyan University and graduated in 2010, receiving his Associate of Science degree in Christian Ministries. In 2013, he graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University with a bachelor's degree in Biblical Studies. Then on April 28, 2018, he graduated from Wesley Seminary, Indiana Wesleyan Seminary, uh, with a Master's of Divinity. In 2009, uh, the Lord called Eddie and his wife to plant Free Will Christian Ministries Church. In 2013, they opened the summer camp. In 2014, they started Free Will Little Angels Child Care Ministry. In 2017, he completed the first unit of the chaplaincy program through IU Health. Then in 2018, he graduated from IU Health, completing his four unit of chaplaincy as a first year residency. He now currently works as an adjunct chaplain at IU Health. Now, this is the part I love. In 1997. I know the good part. Yeah, we, we, need, we need the, the romantic <laughs> music here. Yeah. He married the love of his life. Yes. Natasha D. Sullivan. And from this holy matrimony, they have five children. <laughs> Eddie Jr., Christopher, Trika, Genesis, and Solomon. What a name, Solomon. <laughs> they also have two grandchildren, Xavier and Mason. Their family currently attends... Providence A. Well, not current. Well, their family currently attends Providence AME under the leadership of Pastor Deborah Lightfoot Oates. Mm -hmm. And Eddie and his wife are currently in the process of the Board of Examiners. Now, currently, currently, they're at Bethel AME Church here in Bloomington. Have been appointed. Yes. Appointed. Yes. <laughs> By the right bishop. <laughs> appointed right. and anointed. Appointed Amen. and anointed. Amen. Now, I'll let Sister Roberta continue on. And about. Um, this incredible woman that sits right in front of me, <laughs> Reverend Natasha D. Howard. Natasha D. Howard was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, to the late William Sullivan and late Denise Oxidine. Oxidon. Oxidon Sullivan in, on October 9, 1971, but was raised by her late grandparents, William and Marie Sullivan. Natasha attended school in the Indianapolis public school system. She attended IU Bloomington for one and a half years, then transferred to the IUPUI in Indianapolis and graduated with a BA degree in liberal arts. She holds a master's degree in ministry with a concentration in ministerial leadership and a master's in practical theology from Indiana Wesleyan University. In July 2000, Natasha received her license to preach the gospel under the leadership of Pastor Joseph, Joseph M. Tunstall, pastor of Joseph, 
Joshua Missionary Baptist Church. In 2009, Apostle Jacqueline Powell of Augusta Christian Church, Powerhouse International Ministries, ordained Natasha. In August 2017, Reverend Natasha completed her first unit of clinical pastoral education. She joins her husband as a chaplain and currently works at IU Health as an adjunct chaplain as well. In 2012, in 2012, Reverend Natasha joined a pastoral team called the Glory Connection, led by Apostle Jacqueline Powell, a group of pastors who were given a grant from the Lilly Endowment to study religion in the U.S. and abroad. This group of pastors traveled to Togo, West Africa on a nine-day mission trip. Reverend Natasha authored her first book called Inheritance, Living a Rich Foundation for Your Children and Grandchildren, and a book that I have with me that she gifted to me that was published in 2008, her second book called Women Still Struggling to Preach, The Atmosphere is Ready, which was in, 19, in 2010, she had another book published, Has the World Gone to Whoredom or on God? Uh, That's a very provocative title. (laughs) In 2010, Reverend Natasha founded, planted Howard Publishing Press. She is a business owner, y'all, where she republished her books under her company. And to this date, her company has published over 20 five books. In 2016, Reverend Natasha was the managing editor and publisher for the book called Sister to Sister, Transformation from the Inside Out. Reverend Tasha chose eight women to write their story about how God transformed them from the inside out. Reverend Eddie and Pastor Eddie and Reverend Natasha are excited to serve Bethel AME in Bloomington. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you. listeners. Thank you for um, accommodating us today to join us to talk a little bit about this transition to Bethel Amy here in Bloomington and a little bit about your mission uh, and your vision and your passions. Uh, You both uh, seemingly are on this wonderful track of being chaplains as well as uh, active in the ministry at the church. So however or wherever you want to start, uh, I'll let you go ahead. Uh, uh, Pastor Howard, if you'll go ahead and start for us. Well, yeah, I know that you uh, mentioned about our mission. Well, I'd just like to tell you what our mission is. Our mission is Christ, the church where Christ is lifted, needs are met, and lives are changed. Mm-hmm. And the vision from that is that we bring in with us is that Bethel AME Church is a church seeking to save the lost and give hope to a transitional multicultural community, letting all people know Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. Amen, amen. Amen. All right, and um, your work, and I wanna get to Bethel, but I'm so captivated by your work in the chaplaincy. Yes. Um, What does that entail? Uh, exactly for those who may not know what a chaplain's duties are, and both of you, this is a question for both of you. Right, well, well, chaplaincy, uh, I, I think it prepares you for ministry mm-hmm. uh, because what happens is chaplaincy makes you deal with your own issues. Uh, you can't help another person until you've helped yourself. So it helps you to go back and revisit the things that have bothered you in life, things mm-hmm. that you've wrestled with and that you've tried to put on the shelf and forget about. 
So it makes you go back and revisit those things. And while you're revisiting those things, it'll also allow you to come alongside of a person that's going through something. Right. Not as the expert, uh-huh. but as a companion. It allows you to come along the side and walk with them and allow them to go as deep as they want when they want to. Again, you're not the expert. Mm -hmm. You're just walking along the side of them. So I feel like uh, chaplaincy has uh, developed my ministry. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to understand people Mm -hmm. and it allowed me to respect where they're at and meet them where they're at without being judgmental Mm -hmm. and not trying to... um, uh, put my beliefs on them, mm-hmm. my embedded theology. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm accepting them where they are. You know, so it doesn't matter what religion they are. It doesn't matter what uh, their belief is. I'm going to come in and I'm going to meet them where they are. And then I'm going to respect where they are. And then we're going to communicate and build that relationship. Okay. All right. Uh, Sister Howard. I think for me, clinical pastoral education um, taught me how to um, not overtalk the person that I'm ministering to, but to actually be active and listen and be present um, to hear what they're dealing with, to hear their story. Um, I got into chaplaincy through my husband. He had did his um, intern, and then um, I did my intern, and then he came back and did residency. And so... Um, after I did my internship and during your internship, you do classwork and then you also um, do clinical work where you visit patients. And so after I ended up doing um, my internship, my father passed away. And so when I went through the internship, the CPE program, uh, it taught me how to really sit in my feelings. You know, a lot of times people try to tell you when you have a death to get over it. Are you over it? When are you going to get over it? And for me, chaplaincy taught me how to set in it. And so when I would feel it coming on, when I wanted to cry about my father or think about something, I was able to, you know, just sit in it, let the tears come, let the tears drop, and then I could go on. And any other time I would feel it come on, then I would just sit in it. And so for me, when people um, passed away after that, I was able to just sit with them and not, you know, try to tell them, well, you should feel this or you should feel that. But just to, like he said, you know, companion them or come alongside them and just sit with them and to be present and if we were really to be honest people nowadays they just want to know that you care they just want to know that you're present with them they just want to know that you're actively listening to what they're saying and you know to what their story is and so you know and it's just a part of serving not as the expert but you know what I love you. God loves you. So I'm just going to sit here with you no matter how long it take no matter how many days we have to sit I'm just going to sit with you and let you talk. You know I was uh told a story years and years ago by someone of the Jewish faith who um, um, told me that in their community that if someone were to pass um, people would come and visit and and then sometimes people would you know they would try to cheer a person up and then sometimes people would just come and just sit with them mm-hmm. not say anything uh-huh. but just sit with them for perhaps a half hour an hour and just sit with them, maybe hold their hand and not say a word. Mm-hmm. But at some point, um, they would get sort of this reassurance from the person they were, in a sense, ministering to. And they knew that their visit there for that time was over. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they would follow up and visit again. But sometimes just sitting with someone, as you said, right. so, so uh, wonderfully mm-hmm. said, 
And and I thought of, you know, in, in Scripture where it talks about a man acquainted with grief. And mm-hmm. um, when, I, when I think of Chaplin, I have to admit one of the first things that comes to mind is sitting or being there with someone during one of their most either uh, difficult times or maybe period of transition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in a hospital or maybe not in just all in a hospital setting. And, um, and, I sh- and I would assume that it's not all in the hospital setting, but it's just how you help someone cope, handle, carry, mm-hmm. or work with family members as they try to adjust with all that. Right. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing that, that you wrestle with is how do I make myself vulnerable Mm-hmm. to that person so that they can be vulnerable and open up and express their feelings. Uh, I believe that uh, one of the biggest problems we have is a lot of people walk around with hurt mm-hmm. and we try to camouflage it. We get up in the morning, we put on our nice suits and nice clothes and put the makeup on and things, but really on the inside, we're really hurting. Mm-hmm. And people want relief. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you get that relief? I, I submit to you that uh, we as leaders have to learn how to talk to these people that are hurting and have them to open up to us. And how do we do that? Sometimes being quiet mm-hmm. and just listening. Mm-hmm. You, you will be amazed how powerful that is. And th- those are things that you learn in chaplaincy, right. you know, just sitting there. In the moment with them. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say anything, mm-hmm. but just letting them know that I'm here mm-hmm. and I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal communication. When they talk, just nod my head okay. or simply say, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Lean into them and tell me more and allow them to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, has this uh, philosophy or, as you said, this preparation uh, helped you in this now this new journey uh, as being pastor of Roberta, uh, <laughs> and, and I know that's that's a twenty four seven job. And yes, you know, there, there's many a time when you're saying, "Oh my Lord, am I am I helping her?" But if you could share with us how you <laughs> have employed this with with members of Bethel. Yes. Uh, uh, well, I, I've only been here three weeks. <laughs> There's still hope. Okay. But, 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 but uh, just talking to anyone. That's right. Uh, I, I, I'm opening myself up to the community. I want to I wanna reach the multitudes. Amen. Uh, I know we have this title, African Methodist Episcopal, but I want to let everyone know that we're open to everyone, multicultural. Yes. We want to yes. reach everyone. Yes. Um, it's not just for one person. And um, I don't know. I just want to extend my hands to everyone. Uh, I'm open. I'm open. You know, we, this is the second interview on in our show. And uh, what we're going to have to do is invite them back for Absolutely. further conversation. Mm-hmm. But with mm-hmm. a couple minutes left, I'm going to defer to Roberta, who is one of your superstar members, by the way. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and I'm going to defer to uh, Reverend Natasha so she can share with the listenership how they can plug in and come on over to Bethel and get to meet yes. Pastor Eddie and Reverend Natasha. Amen. Um, on Sunday mornings, we have Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. At 10.30, we have bagels and coffee Um, It is free. It's a time for us to fellowship and come down and talk to one another. At 11 a.m. is our worship service. And 
you have not had a worship service where God has just filled the place until you have come to Bethel, the place where God dwells. And so we invite you on Sunday morning. Um, our college um, Bible study is on Tuesday at 7.30. On Wednesdays, we have homework help, no matter what grade you're in, no matter whether it's college or elementary, at 6 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday, we invite you to come down to get homework help. We have people that are there that are able to help you with homework. At 6.30 on Wednesday, we have Bible study. On Thursday at 7.30, we have choir rehearsal. And then once a month on Saturday at 10 a.m., we have um, Sisterhood Circle. You can reach us at um, our website, which is www.bethelamebloomington.com, or you can just call the church at 812-334-3216 and leave a voicemail message. If you do need a ride to church, we do have a church van, and we would love to pick you up. That's perfect timing because that was two minutes right on the, on the dot. <laughs> now, uh, we have not talked about mission or vision per se, but we are going to carve out some time and maybe during the month of November. Okay. Uh, try to get you both back so right. we can give you ample opportunity to express that. Uh, I'm just thrilled to, to have you here with us. And again, thank you for coming. Welcome to Bloomington, Indiana. Thank you. Thank Welcome you. to <laughs> Bloomington. Thank you. Awesome. Well, our thanks to... Uh, Pastor Eddie and Reverend Natasha Howard, um, the, the recently installed husband and wife ministerial team, and soon they'll be termed the dynamic duo <laughs> at it's Bethel true. AME Church in Bloomington. And we want to thank them for acquainting themselves with our listeners and sharing their uh, a portion of their vision for Bethel AME Church. We'll have them back. What's the address of Bethel? 302 North Rogers, Rogers Street. Very good. Very good, Roberta. <laughs> <laughs> if you have an event or a happening that the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight or you've seen on our website, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. And um, just as a little FYI, you'll be hearing very shortly in the weeks to come about Stories of Monroe, which will be held at the Unitarian Universalist Church on October 11th, 12th, and 13th at 7 p.m. and October the 14th at 3 p.m. We'll, of course, cover this in more detail on next week. And that's uh, from Liz Mitchell, one of our uh, correspondents here at Bring It On. And once again, our thanks to the Group Scholars Director, Mary Stephenson, and uh, Janai Weeks and Alanis Adalis. Adalis, thank you, really? Shepard, for joining us today to discuss the upcoming fifth anniversary, fiftieth, I'm sorry, fiftieth anniversary celebration during the IU Homecoming Weekend, also on October twelfth through the fourteenth. To learn more, visit uh, www.groupscholars.indiana.edu. Our show's producer is my good friend Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. While this is his last day. No, actually, uh, no? the engineer for today was Wes oh. Martin. Oh. And with additional background tracks by David Baker. And for WFHB, my lovely co-anchor to my left is Roberta Radovich, and I'm Clarence Boone. Again, tune in next Monday, October the 8th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. 
Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.